incredibly painted a picture of the greatness of God's story throughout history. And then the wonder of the gospel in the context of God's plan from beginning to end. And that whether it was for the hearers of Paul at the time hearing the sermon or whether it's for us 2,000 some years later, that when we focus on the greatness of God's story, it provides us with this unshakable foundation um, and an absolute assurance that God is faithful to his promises. Um, He always has been and he always will be. So today we're going to pick up the the account of this first missionary journey uh, from Acts 13.48. I just want to give a little bit of an introduction because we've skimmed over a little bit to get there. So um, everybody's loved Paul's preaching so much that they beg him to come back the next week. Um, He's got a five out of five popularity rating. Um, And so the next week, the whole city turns up to hear him. And in the midst of this seemingly successful high point in Paul's um, career as a missionary, the Jewish authorities become jealous and they begin to stir up controversy amongst the hearers um, that he is sharing with. And what you will see as we move through Acts is that this is a pattern that actually repeats itself. Uh, They first preach to the Jews, then jealousies and divisions and controversy are stirred up and then Paul and his companions turn their attention to the Gentiles in the region and the truth of the gospel continues to spread. So this pattern continues throughout and we'll just pick up from Acts 13.48 and forgive me if I don't get the names of the places quite correctly pronounced. So, and when the Gentiles heard this, so what they've heard is Paul and Barnabas saying, well, if, Catherine paraphrase, if, if you're not going to listen, we're going to go and start talking to the Gentiles. Uh, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, poisoned their minds against the brothers, so they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now from this point onwards, um, they continue in their incredible highs and lows of ministry. Um, They go from this point, don't they, of the crowds rejoicing and come back next week and the whole city turning out to really 
inciting civil unrest and unleashing persecution and even violence upon them. But it doesn't stop there. In the next uh, passage of Acts, if you um, read on, what you will find is that this account of them healing a man um, from a lifetime of disability. And the crowd is completely amazed by this. Um, and they draw conclusions from this, wrongly of course, that Paul and Barnabas are gods and they start offering sacrifices to them. But when Paul and Barnabas try to set them right on this, they stone them and leave them for dead. Talk about highs and lows of missionary life. I was thinking the other day about what the version that we've read might read like um, if it was an Instagram uh, version of this passage. And it would go something like this, I think. Well, the Gentiles heard this and they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And the, wor the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the regions and everyone was filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Great numbers of both Jews and Greeks believed and they continued to preach the gospel. Leave out all the bad bits. But the Bible is unapologetically honest, really from beginning to end, unapologetically honest. And in these accounts that we've read, it includes all the accolades, the rejoicing, the boldness, the healings, and the floggings, and the stonings, and the divisions, and the fickleness, and the persecution, and the fleeings. All the highs and lows. And I, for one, am glad if we were to read a biblical narrative that only ever focused on the highs, how would we ever make sense of our lives? If it only ever covered the highlight reels, the Instagrammable moments, because that's not life, is it? That's not what our life looks like. The reality is for all of us that life is filled with highs and lows. It's just an unavoidable fact as humans. What you will find as you read on in this passage uh, leading into Acts 14 is that um, as Paul and Barnabas retrace their steps, which they do, so they go out and then they come back through areas that they've preached, um, they seek to strengthen and encourage the believers to continue in their faith. And uh, Paul tells them this. He reminds them that they are going to suffer hardships in order to enter the kingdom of God. And, and that may seem to us to be rather a strange kind of in encouragement. How, how does that strengthen them? How does that encourage them to tell them that they're going to suffer, that it's going to be hard? I don't think that Paul could ever be um, accused of peddling a soft gospel. Uh, and, and he knew that from experience. And he taught, and you will read that throughout many of his letters as he encouraged believers, um, that, that they and we need to expect that in following Jesus there will be highs and there will be lows. So really what I want to draw our attention to today and then I guess to flesh out a bit together so that we've got an opportunity not to just hear about this in some historical context out there, but what does this mean for us as followers of Jesus right now here in the season um, of history that we occupy? 
um, knowing that there are highs and lows. What does that mean for us? And I guess the thing that I want to draw your attention to is that Paul and Barnabas, they weren't filled with joy because there was no opposition. They didn't continue to preach the gospel because their reception and the feedback that they got was consistently positive. Instead, what they demonstrated and lived was this robust, firm, mature, persevering, enduring faith through the highs and the lows. And so if I, for one, would like to, to know what did that look like and how do, I, how do I apply that in my life? You can actually read their wrap-up to this uh, missionary trip um, to their home church in Antioch at the end of Acts 14. And um, I read what they told the church at Antioch and I wonder if they were on the same trip that we've just read about because they don't mention the stonings and they don't mention the jealousy being stirred up and how they had to often run away or flee from the authorities because of threats of violence or even that they were um, stoned to the point of death. Um, they don't even share the popularity moments. You know, guess what, guys? You know, we were asked to come back and the whole city came out. There is, there is none of that. What they did share, and you'll read this in Acts um, 14.27, is everything God had done and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. End of story. And so they didn't define this mission trip by the roller coaster of the highs and lows of their circumstances, and they didn't quit when things got hard. This was a two-year missionary journey. Again, we can read this contained in a couple of chapters and think that they kind of toughed this out uh, for a few weeks. This was two years' worth of their life travelling out and, and back. And they had endurance. This was not um, a sprint um, uh, event. This was absolutely an endurance event. Now, maturity is certainly a key thing here. Um, Paul had been a follower of the Lord Jesus for at least 15 years at this point, and Barnabas for longer. And so they'd banked history with God. They knew God had shown up for them in multiple circumstances in the past. They knew him well. Um, and they knew things that really can only be learned as part of the process of growing and maturing in faith over time. That is absolutely true. But what I want to pick up today is just three things that we can learn from Paul and Barnabas, no matter how long we've been followers of Jesus, in order that we too might be strengthened or rendered more firm. That's actually what that word, when it talks about Paul and Barnabas going and strengthening and encouraging believers, that word strengthen means to render more firm. So as we seek to have endurance as believers, to have a robust faith, um, to render more firm our faith and our walk with the Lord in the highs and the lows of life, there are just three things that I want to bring out from this passage today that I think can apply uh, for us at whatever season of life we're in. The first one is they kept going. 
Um, I keep thinking of a line from a song in the 90s and the chorus goes, I get knocked down but I get up again. When I looked it up, it's a drinking song, so it's not necessarily a great analogy, but it did, it did become um, in the 90s one of those things for people who were kind of school of hard knocks people. I get knocked down but I get up again. So don't go and look up the rest of the words. Anyway, the point being, I read this and you just get this sense over and over again of... Um, you know, there's two years of ministry highs and lows, two years of this incredible high points of glorious response to the gospel and healings and miracles and signs and wonders and two years of being undermined and persecuted and chased out of town and violently set upon. And even when they'd been stoned, like when they did actually um, uh, receive a stoning, they were knocked down to such a point that everyone else assumed they were dead. And yet we read that they got up and the next day they walked to Derby. Now Derby was 60 miles away. So most of us wouldn't even consider undertaking a walk that far when we were fighting fit, let alone when we'd been clobbered by rocks. Like, it's just such incredible endurance, tenacity and perseverance. They just continued and continued and continued. Now, we obviously can't know. They were human beings, so again, let's not make the mistake that uh, the people in the town where they um, healed the man-made and kind of put them up on some God's pedestal. They, they, they were human beings. So we, we, have, we don't actually know what struggles went on for them, um, how that felt for them. We don't know any of those things. We can assume that there were times where it was pretty tough going and they needed to encourage one another and seek the Lord for comfort in the midst of it. But they pressed on and that, I guess that's my point. Um, most of you um, would know, because I do talk about it periodically, but uh, my chosen sport these days is trail running. And uh, I I just love being out on the open trails. We are totally spoilt here in Canberra uh, just for, with amazing trails and natural beauty. And um, this might be odd for non-morning people, but I actually really love the early mornings. I love seeing the sun come up. Even in winter, I went out for an early morning run yesterday and um, the dew um, as the light comes up on the grasses and things around, like it's just magical. And so there are just many things that um, I love about trail running and I love getting up high um, in uh, places around the city and just being able to look out over just the beautiful region that we live in. But like most sports, it certainly has its highs and lows. And for every breathtaking moment that I'm so glad for, there are just as many moments where as I'm running or pummeling my body or trying to get up a hill or I've tripped over a rock and I've got a graze on my knee that I'm wondering, what on earth am I doing? Am I out of my mind? And I have to remind myself, I am choosing to do this. You do not have to do this. You are choosing to do this. But there are, there are times, because it is an endurance sport, where things are really hard, both physically and mentally. 
Now, most of the year I just run for fun and let me just say that five years ago I would have never dreamed of putting run and fun in the same sentence. But anyway, there you are. Um, God can perform miracles. Um, but I do sometimes run uh, trail events, races. And uh, I, my most recent event was in the Blue Mountains. And it, it, I mean, it was a ridiculous race. It like had over 5,000 steps. It was over 950 metres of elevation. It was more than 22 kilometres long. It was incredibly stunning and very, very difficult. And one of the integral parts of my training, I certainly didn't just go and do that. Like I'd had six months of preparation to run that race. And my program is really built build endurance into me mentally and physically. So I, um, when I'm training for an event like that, I run regardless of the weather on a Saturday morning. It doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's sleeting, um, if it's hot. Like any of those circumstances, I have to get out and run because that's my only opportunity during the week. It means that I train to run hills. So I repeatedly run up and down at hills like Mount Stromlo just to try and get strength and endurance into my legs. And by the end of my training program, my um, trainer had built in there, go and do a 20-kilometer run and then run up the hills. And that was so that I could keep going and not quit, even when I was tired and I was sore. And it was as much about building that mental endurance in me to keep going as it was the physical. And if I'd had just like a soft training program where I ran if the weather was good and on flat terrain and paved paths and just a few short distances, then there's just no way I would have had the grit to run a trail race like I did in the Blue Mountains. There's just... No way. And that is what it's like for us in life. The reality is that in our life, anything that is worth something, it will cost us. And anything of worth, it won't be instantaneous. There will be a process involved in our lives that includes highs and lows, incredible moments and things that are really hard and challenge us physically and mentally, so to speak. Anything of worth takes investment and takes an all-in approach. It takes endurance to follow Jesus in the highs and the lows of life. And that's whether we're talking about trail running, whether we're talking about relationships, marriages, parenting, following Jesus, whether it's our mission or our ministry. It takes endurance. And to be able to keep going, we need to expect that we will have lows as well as highs because otherwise we will be slammed every time. Jesus himself said to his disciples and to us that we'd have trials and tribulations and that if he didn't avoid it, then we certainly wouldn't avoid it. And that's the story of our Saviour, isn't it? So to have a robust, persevering faith that keeps us going. We need endurance and we actually need the trials that test our faith to build that into us. 
That's what James says. That it's in fact the trials and the tests of our faith that put that endurance into us. And the other thing to keep going is that we need to hold that long-term, eternal, finish line perspective. One of the things that uh, my trainer would always say um, when I was prepping for a race is when it's hard, you've just got to remember and remind yourself and think about what it's going to be like to cross the finishing, finish line, to finish the race. And when we do that, when we hold a long-term, eternal, finish line perspective, we're less likely to be knocked off course by the highs and the lows that come along the way. Paul wrote this in his second letter to the Corinthians. I mean, you will find in many of his letters these similar themes of just looking to put endurance into believers, to build resilience into their faith and a robustness into their faith and so that they weren't buffeted around uh, by the highs and lows of life. And um, he says this in his second letter to the Corinthians. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so the encouragement to you this morning is to keep going and to not give up and to allow God to build into you a robustness of faith that gives you endurance to keep going even when things are hard. The second thing that uh, Paul and Barnabas did is they shook the dust off their feet. Now, this is much more about a perspective shift Um, in the actions that they took, rather than that they were either becoming hard-hearted or having a dummy spit. This did not not look like, well, you didn't listen to us, we're going somewhere else. This was much more about a perspective shift, so that they were really acknowledging what was theirs to carry and what was God's responsibility In sharing the gospel, how people responded and if they responded was not personal. And they were neither impressed when people loved them nor put off when people didn't. They were never under the illusion that their strengths and abilities would achieve anything. They had a complete focus on God and what he was doing in their midst. And so they did exactly what Jesus taught his disciples to do when he sent them out on mission, and that was to shake the dust off of their feet and to keep pressing on. Now, sticking with my trail running theme, um, like any sport, you have to maintain your equipment. Well, my most important piece of equipment is my shoes, and trail shoes have a really deep tread on them because you're running on all sorts of terrain and it's what gives you your grip. Um, But depending on the weather and the type of ground that I'm running on, um, that tread on my shoes gets clogged up with dirt and sand and clay and wombat and kangaroo poo and small rocks. And so at the end of a run, if I don't clear out what's accumulated in the tread of my shoes, 
then the next time I go out for a run, I am much more likely to lose my footing because I've got no tread. And I just think that that's a really important illustration for us this morning in running um, with robust faith and having endurance and um, being prepared for our next run, so to speak. Because in life, lots of stuff gets stuck in our metaphorical trail shoes, in the highs and the lows of our life. You know, our shoes get um, muck all over them from disappointments and hurts and grievances and offences and distractions and people's opinions of us and popular opinion and the responsibilities that are not ours to carry. And even sometimes our seeming successes can clog our trail shoes if we think it's all about us. And so we need to shake the dust off of our feet to have a robust faith in the highs and lows so we don't lose our tread, so we don't slip and fall. And so this morning, I guess it's really worth asking ourselves, you know, what dust have we allowed to settle on us? This is a regular maintenance thing. I can't clean my trail shoes once a year. Like it's after every run. And so the Lord's invitation to us this morning as we look to strengthen and firm up the foundations of our faith uh, in the highs and the lows of life um, is not to allow the dust to settle, to to shake it off, to be aware of the things that have got caught in the tread of our shoes and to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to deal with that. As I bring this to a close this morning, I'd love just if um, either Keys or part of the worship team would, would be able to just come up, just that would be awesome. So the, the third and final thing that I just want to highlight to us this morning as people of faith who desire to be able to uh, run the race that's set before us with endurance, to have a robustness in our faith in the highs and lows of life, is that we, we read that they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You know, Barnabas and Paul knew that they were sent ones and they knew the one who had sent them. And they were not looking for momentary rewards. They didn't get caught up in the immediate picture of what seemed to be happening. I, I always love the phrase in Waymaker when it says, even if I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You know, they were not just caught up with what only their eyes could see and the immediate picture before them. You know, these were not men who found their joy in the success of the campaign or the number of converts or likes that they got or even on a job well done. What made them immune to being tossed about by the highs and lows of missionary life was that their joy was rooted and grounded in the Lord himself. And it was that robust joy that kept them going in the midst of turmoil. It was that joy that can only be found in His presence. 
It's that joy and that hope that comes in the truth of I am with you. And so that even in the midst of the hard stuff, we can experience the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of His Spirit, which is joy. And to be people with a robust faith in the highs and lows of life, Again, this is something that isn't a one-time deal. We need to be filled and refilled by the Holy Spirit to allow Him to comfort us, to console us, and to fill us with the strength of His joy in the highs and the lows. So I just want to finish this morning with some words Uh, from Paul that were written to Romans. I'm actually going to read it uh, from the message paraphrase this morning. I just want you to listen and really even just receive it and let it wash over you this morning, just with the waves of His grace. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. And we know who He is and we know who we are, Father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we are certainly going to go through the good times with him. That is why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. Father, We just so desire to be people who are aware of who you are and in light of that, who we are. We so desire, God, to be kids of yours with a robust, enduring faith in the highs and the lows of life. Lord, we do not want to be buffeted and thrown off course And we just acknowledge this morning, God, that, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to get back up again. Sometimes we feel weary by the knocks and the elevation and the rough terrain. But Father, we just want to acknowledge this morning that you are with us, that Um, you are able to encourage us this morning. And Father, we also want to just take responsibility, God, if we've allowed dust to settle on us, if we've allowed the tread of our shoes of faith to get clogged up with stuff. God, we're just really open this morning to you showing us what that is and helping us to deal with it. Father, we want to keep running the race that you've set before us.
so this morning, again, we just invite the fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and fill your people afresh this morning with fresh joy, fresh hope, fresh power, fresh fire. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge our need of you and of the joy that can only be found in you. Thank you, God. Amen. This morning we have a prayer team who uh, would love to pray with you. Please bear with one another in the slight awkwardness of mask wearing. Um, um, but if anything this morning has resonated with you, particularly just those three areas I guess I've really had on my heart as I've prepared uh, with the Lord this week, um, you know, if you feel that um, you've taken a bit of a knockoff course or you're really at a point where it's hard to keep going, um, it, you know, the, the trail of faith has just got a bit tough. Getting prayer with someone, you know, Barnabas and Paul were travelling together and we didn't bring that out today, but, you know, they weren't, they weren't on their own. And uh, this morning, if you want someone to stand with you and to trust God to, again, put courage into you uh, to build that robustness and that endurance of faith, what, can I encourage you to take that opportunity this morning? Or, you know, maybe you're realising that there's wombat poo in your shoe. And, and you really, today is the day to do business with God on that, whatever that is. Uh, he is. He is faithful. You know, freshen up the tread in those shoes of yours. You need grip in this world of ours. And again, if you want someone to stand with you because in fact you really want that fresh joy and that fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. So can I invite the uh, prayer team to come up? I want to remind you again that we've got um, an opportunity to gather together this evening from five for a time of prayer and worship. Um, God bless you this week um, and look forward to seeing you again next week.